Would you join me in prayer again? Holy God, quiet our hearts. We come to your word this morning to listen, to not bring our own opinions or our own perspectives, but to hear the voice of your spirit, to touch our hearts and to lift us out of the darkness of our own lives, to shine your light of love in our hearts, in our church, and in our land. God, speak to us through your spirit, that word that we need to hear that is a word to me this morning, to us so that we can respond in love and in faith. And even though it might be hard and we might be challenged by your word, give us the courage to say yes to Jesus again this morning and to go from this moment of worship into the world and into our lives to be his true disciples. We ask that you bless Kara as she brings your word this morning and that you would allow her words to be words that touch our hearts and that move us forward towards your kingdom. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray, the one who gave his life so that we might have life and have it to the full. Amen. Today is a little bit different uh, day for Kara as she's not only our student ministries director, but she's also a mom of one of our, of our graduates. And so uh, because of the different context that she finds herself in, she's going to bring the message from a different context. Kara's going to be preaching to us from her son Brisham's bedroom. Kara, lead us this morning. Good morning, Faith Covenant Church, uh, and welcome to Grad Sunday. This Grad Sunday looks a little different than most Grad Sundays. Uh, we are not gathered at the church together, so our, our students aren't in their caps and gowns coming up front, telling us where they've graduated from, where they're heading to. Uh, we're not able to allow our... Uh, congregants who have poured their lives into these students to stand up for all to see. But I would like to give a round of applause and a hearty thank you to all of you who have poured your lives into these graduates. Uh, not only as the director of Faith Covenant Church's student ministries do I want to thank you, but also as the parent of one of the grads, thank you for all you have done for these students. And this time has has been a time of of great reflection for me it's also been a time of disappointment um, but it's also been a time of deep pride I'm proud of my son I'm proud of his accomplishments I'm proud of where he's going and and so as I I sit here in this room I'm thinking about the fact that in a few months it's going to be abandoned it's going to be empty. And it makes me a little sad, but it, it also makes me think of what is it I want my son to know? It, it's actually what I think, I've been thinking the same thing for this whole grad class. What is it that I want this graduating class to understand? And I think it's also apropos for the whole congregation. What is it that we need to know as we go back into this world after this period of quarantine? And here's what I think is so important. Faith Covenant Church, graduates, 
We need to see people. I mean, really see people. Seeing people is a kingdom issue. Because every day when we go out into this world, every person we meet was created in the image of the creator with a plan and a purpose. And that makes that person worthy of being seen. That includes the people we love. That includes the driver who cuts us off in traffic. That includes the, uh, the people who look like us, think like us, act like us. It includes the people who look nothing like us, think nothing like us, and act nothing like us. It includes those who have oppressed us. It includes those we oppress. And I think this is important because I want, I want all of us to understand that the kingdom of God is not just some far away concept that deals with eternity. But the kingdom of God is, is something, it's, it's a reality that we're supposed to be living into right here and right now. We need to be asking ourselves, what is it that Matthew 6.33 wants us to do when it asks us to seek first the kingdom of God? Matthew 25.31-40 When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, and gave you food, or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you in or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did to the least of these who are the members of my family, you did it to me. When God created humanity, he created them, he created us in his image. So who are the least of these? 
the least of these were not created by God. The least of these is a social construct. The least of these were created by the culture we live in. We have constructed within our culture people to fill the role of least of these. When we've denied freedom and rights, when we dehumanize our fellow brothers and sisters, we have marked those who were created in the image of God as least of these. We create hunger. We create thirst. We strip people down. We cause illness. And we imprison. This is where I get overwhelmed. I haven't taken anybody's food. I haven't taken anybody's water. But Jesus is not talking about sins of commission. Jesus talking is talking about actions we need to take. He's talking about seeing people. He's talking about the wounds that need to be bandaged. He's talking about weary people, people laying naked in their needs, people handcuffed and helpless. He's calling us into action against poverty, hunger, illness, and oppression. Matthew 25, 41 through 46. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And these will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteousness into eternal life. The sins of omission. The sin of doing nothing. The sin of letting the evils of the world persist and not acting. We find reasons not to get involved. Reasons why it's really not all that bad. We stand, when we stand quietly by, we are culpable. No matter what her reasoning is. But, but she was asking for it. Jesus gave the woman at the well living water. See her. But she was caught doing it. 
Jesus asked those who were without sin to cast the first stone. See her. But he was an oppressor. Jesus ate with Zacchaeus. See him. But there's clearly something really wrong with him. I'm not sure I want to get involved. Jesus healed the demon-possessed man and sent him out as an evangelist. See him. But she's unclean. Jesus healed her. See her. But she's not one of us. Jesus cast the demon out of her daughter. See her. Jesus saw people. Jesus healed people. How are we going to be a part of the healing process? We need to set aside our need to be right. We need to set it aside. Jesus was righteous enough. He does not need our self-righteousness. We need to understand that we have never walked in our neighbor's shoes we need to understand that we all come to the table with biases and blind spots. And it's okay. It's just not okay to stay there. We can't stay settled in those places of assumptions and misperceptions. Living into the kingdom of God is far more than knowing the differences between right and wrong. Living into the kingdom of God is about knowing Christ. It's about knowing Christ so well that you love the people he loves. The less than, the excluded, it is about discipleship. I love the way Dallas Willard explains discipleship as, as more like an apprenticeship, right? It's this, this picture of standing alongside a master, learning a new craft, right? Getting our hands dirty, making mistakes, gentle corrections. And Christians out there, I'm going to assume that you count yourself as a disciple of Christ. And that is, is exactly what we're called to be. But, but we also need disciples that are flesh and blood right now. People to show us the way. And we need to look at the people who are discipling us and we need to look at them with long, hard looks. Are they just like us? Do they think just like us? Do they look just like us? If that's the case, friends, then we need to reach out further. 
We need a diverse set of voices in our lives. If all the books you read are written by people that look like you, talk like you, and think like you, you need to find other authors. The voices may have hard things for us to hear, but that is an imperative in moving past the status quo. And here's the thing I know about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not about the status quo. According to Webster's Dictionary, racism is a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Am I a racist? A friend once asked me this question and I, I took great offense to it. I do not believe that my skin color makes me superior. But am I guilty of racist acts? Yes. I am guilty of racist acts. In that moment of sitting with the question which had just been asked, instead of understanding that I was capable of that kind of evil that is a racist act, implicit or explicit, it doesn't matter, I chose to feel like a victim instead of facing my actions. I'm sorry. I am guilty of ignorance. I am guilty of thinking I get it when I actually don't. I'm guilty of thinking that uh, because, because I've struggled too, I understand. I'm guilty of pressing people's wounds out of my own curiosity. I am guilty of thinking the civil rights movement ended in the 60s and it made it all better. I am guilty of preferences that have caused discrimination. I am guilty of feeling that this burden is too much and have used my ability as a white person to turn away and forget. I am guilty of turning my back and I have used racist terms. For all of this, I am sorry. And to those who I have injured, I am deeply sorry. I was wrong. I failed to see. 
not only did I fail to see my neighbor, but I failed to see me. It's not enough to just be nice. It's not enough to intend not to be a racist. We live in a culture that was established on the backs of people who had no voice. Slavery, people being counted as three-fifths of a person, segregation, the burning of Black Wall Street, lynchings after lynchings after lynchings, redlining, mass incarceration, Friends who fear for the lives of their children when they drive away in their car each day. Our brothers and sisters in Christ have lived with generations of dehumanization, centuries. Our promise not to be racist isn't enough. This is not a liberal or conservative issue. This is a kingdom issue. As Christians, we're called to live into the kingdom of God, the kingdom that God created from the foundations of creation. Here in my son's room, I know that he needs to abandon the space for a time. He needs to go into the world and experience new things and meet new people. But I'm also keenly aware of how much my mama's heart wants him to come home again. And it's the same for all the rest of our young people. They need to experience things beyond Sumner. They need their understanding to grow and they need to meet new people and learn new things. But I will be so heartbroken if they don't return. These are amazing young people. It's a class of, of, of team captains, of, of leaders, of national award win winners, volunteers, inventors. These are students who march. These are students who are gifted with the gifts of prayer and discernment. They're, they're gifted with public speaking abilities far beyond their years. Church, we need to see these students. We need these students. They have been created and designed for a time such as this. According to Pew Research, this generation is the most ethnically and racially diverse generation in the history of the United States. They are also a generation to whom social justice issues matter. If our church remind, remains silent on biblical social justice issues, we will become irrelevant. 
if, if this up and coming generation does not find relevancy on the biblically based issues they care about within this building, they will leave and be the church elsewhere. The church, the bride of Christ, will not miss out. But we might. These kingdom issues matter. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our brothers and sisters and for our neighbors. Lord, we confess to you things we hold on to that are not kingdom-driven. And Lord, we come to you <coughs> on our knees asking for forgiveness for where we have failed to see our neighbors. Open our eyes. Help us move beyond our biases and our blind spots so that we may see people as you see them. And Lord, I pray a special blessing on to our graduates. Lord, as they go out into this world, go before them. Prepare a space for them to thrive, to learn, to grow, and to understand the world in a way you understand it. Lord, through the name and power of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen, cannot love a God whom they have not seen. Remember that you were, at that time, without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, 
seek my face and turn off their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. Sarah, thank you for a powerful challenge, and thank you for your mama's heart and your passion uh, for not only your own kids, but for all of our students. Uh, brothers and sisters, the good news is that we do not have to do this in our own strength, and we don't have to do it alone. We have received the power of the Holy Spirit, and we've received the gift of Christian community. The risk for us this morning is that we will react. And in reacting, we will lose the ability to respond and to be able to move toward one another instead of away from one another. And so let us seek this morning the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray for God to make a way for us, to make a way through the storms in our lives, and to be the light that shines in our darkness. God is our way maker. Let us put our hope and trust in him for all of these things today.